Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. My name is Chris Harper, and this is another episode of The Ledge. Today, I'm here with my guest, Christina Spinney. She's a musician and artist and a crypto artist from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Christina. How are you? Hey, Chris. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. I um, I start everybody by asking the same question. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, like who you are, where you're from, where do you live? Yeah, I... I'm a classically trained composer, pianist. I'm originally from Stamford, Connecticut, a suburb outside of New York. It's like 45 minutes away. Um, and I've been in Nashville for eight years now. So I'm a displaced East Coaster. <laughs> but I love I love being in Music City. It's such a creative place to live. Um, there's a good little music NFT scene here, actually, which is pretty cool to be a part of. And yeah. I know Nashville is. Uh, I know Nashville is a really like like big city for music and the arts. How did you get from uh, Connecticut to to Nashville? How'd that happen? Funny story. It was pretty random. I came down here like on a whim with my sister for my thirtieth birthday because we wanted to go somewhere warm, not knowing. I was like, oh yeah, anything south is going to be like nice and warm. <laughs> And I met my future husband here and decided to move here shortly after. <laughs> That's really cool. I uh, I have a little connection to Nashville. I got engaged in Nashville. Ah. <laughs> so my, uh, my, my wife now, we're married now, uh, is a, is, was, was an Irish dancer. And she was like, like a, at a world level Irish dancing thing in Nashville, which was like a really good memory for her. So when we got engaged, I, sneakily took her to nashville and we got uh, engaged there so that is so I like, cool i do like that city a lot it's a very cool place it's a great place i don't know how long ago were you here um that was two years ago oh okay yeah i was gonna yeah. say in the eight years i've been here it's been it's just grown so much it's crazy oh, i don't yeah, even recognize yeah. it sometimes and I live in Charleston, South Carolina. And actually, um, I, as you and I were speaking about before we got started on the show, I'm a contractor and I get a lot of clients that come from Nashville that buy beach houses down here where, where I yeah. live. So, yeah. So it's not too far. Yeah. Um, where did you go? So you went to school in Connecticut? You grew up in Connecticut? Grew up in Connecticut, uh, went to college in New York. I was kind of back and forth between Connecticut and New York all the time. I joke that I like lived on Metro North. I was always going into the city to take piano lessons, like composition lessons. Um, when I was in high school, I spent for two years, like my junior and senior year, I would spend every Saturday in the city. I was part of this Juilliard pre-college program. So like all day I would take lessons. Um, and then my grandmother lived in the Bronx. So I would like take the bus up to the Bronx stay in the Bronx. The next day I'd go back and be part of the New York Youth Symphony. I did like a apprentice conducting. So you're, you're primarily a musician. How did you get into how did you get into that as a young person? Like who pushed you into, I, into playing the piano and becoming a musician? I pushed my parents into letting me, I think is how it went. I just always knew that I wanted to be a musician. I um I just always loved what do your music. parents what do your parents do? What do your parents do? What did they do? They're, they're retired now, but my dad worked at the real estate department of IBM. He's not super techie, but we're getting him okay. into NFTs and stuff. Okay, um, okay. And my mom was a proofreader. So they're, they appreciate music and arts, and we were exposed to a lot of arts early on, like museums, concerts, everything like that. Um, right on. Yeah, but I, it, was, it was really self-motivated. Like I had to convince right. them that I could make a career in music. <laughs> 
<laughs> did you go to like private school or public school? What kind of schooling did you go to when you were? I there? went to uh, public school for how many years? Like elementary school. Then I went to Catholic school. Then I went back to public school because I needed more time <laughs> to spend on music, and I was able to get out like my senior year at eleven o'clock. I basically didn't have a senior year in school. I basically like skipped. Right. And, I, and then you went on to and you went on to get an education in like a higher education in music through through college. Yeah, and then I studied at Juilliard, so I had a conservatory, like very classical conservatory training um, for undergrad and masters. And a lot of composers go on to get their doctoral degree, but I I had had enough. I'm like, that's it. I just so, want to be out in the world. Some people listening to this may not understand the level of difficulty it takes to get into a school like Juilliard. It's, yeah, there's a lot of competition. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Um, yeah, I think it yeah. helped that I already had gone there for pre-college division. Like I knew uh, what to expect a little bit right, as far as classes right. went. Um, right. But... Yeah, how I tough is that going to how to, I'm assuming that that's a, like that's a that's a grind to to go there. You know, I think for composers it's a little bit easier than performing musicians right. because you can't really compare yourself to others as easily. There's like no okay. one correct way to make music. Um, ah, a little bit that. more subjective. Yeah. yeah. There's like a technically correct way to perform certain pieces by certain composers and you can easily compare yourself to other musicians that perform that way. But I think as a composer in Juilliard, it's a little more like self-motivated. The competition is a little more self-motivated where you're not comparing yeah. yourself to your peers as much. So, what's your, what's your professional career been like as a musician? I so when I graduated, I began writing music for ballet companies and for dance companies. Uh, a lot of Are you a dancer. Modern... I read that in your bio. Are you a dancer? I loved dancing. I wanted to be a ballerina, like when I was little, and that you know it didn't work. Okay. I didn't have the right body, all that you know. Uh, but I I realized what I loved about it too is responding to music and like internalizing a musical phrase. And, and having a physical representation of that. So I had a little bit of a background in ballet. And I thought, this is really cool. I could be back in the ballet world writing music for these dancers and collaborating with them. So I've written like, oh my gosh, I don't know, 25 ballets. I've written a lot of music for dance. Wow. Yeah, a ton. A wow. ton. <laughs> I was really <laughs> lucky to get all those commissions. I mean, before I graduated, I emailed like, a hundred different choreographers. I researched everybody really carefully and I reached out to people who I thought would be a good match for me aesthetically to collaborate with. And yeah, um, yeah and I got commissions that way and just started writing for dance companies and taught piano lessons on the side. And yeah, I've been writing for dance ever since. Like I'm just scrambling to finish up one more commission <laughs> by <laughs> January. Uh, so. Yeah, it's been a, is that a lot of, of pressure. Is that a lot of pressure? Is that is that is that, is that I, I'm assuming that kind of work is a lot of pressure. You have to produce, you know, this work in a certain amount of time, probably. Yeah, it depends how much time I have. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it depends. This this project I've had a year. It's for full orchestra, and it's 25 right. minutes, so it's a big piece. So um, it's a little pressure. When you write that, you do you write all the parts for all the instruments? Yeah. Yep. So I don't I can't even wrap my head around how do you keep track of that? <laughs> well, it all starts on the piano. Like I'll play some chords you, on the yeah, piano. Yeah, can you walk me through like how something like that starts and that like like just imagine you're talking to people that have no idea what you're talking about. These are yeah, sure. total, so, like going total layman's terms. I'll just walk to the piano and think about like the mood of the piece. A lot of times when I'm collaborating with someone, I don't have a choice. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> this piece that I'm writing for the Pacific Northwest Ballet is fast, tons of fast music. So I yeah. have like the idea of what the choreographer wants and the mood. And then I'll go to the piano and start playing some things and some chords and like find a little theme or a little hook that I like. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of scratch it down on paper, like really loose kind of a sketch. And then I'll start to think about what instruments I want to play that music. So 
if it's like a really bold melody, I might give it to the trumpet and maybe the strings are doing some percussive like accompaniment underneath. And so it's kind of coloring. You get to color the music with the instrument. It takes, it takes a while, but you know, once you get going, I think the hardest part is starting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Do you, not to digress, but do you, do you do any other thing, other art form or is it all music for you? Just you like music. Music. I always ask everyone the same question. I I like to ask people this. Do you remember like the first thing you created in your life that you would like? I guess you know. I usually ask the question you would call art, but for you, I would say like, what's the first music that you wrote in your life? Do you remember or like when you got started? Yeah, I do remember. I was in elementary school, (laughs) and (laughs) I wrote this song for Halloween, and I played it for my music teacher. And then he made me play it for like the cafeteria full of kids. And he sent me home with a note to my parents that said like, Christina needs to take music theory lessons. Um, She'd be a talented composer. You know, it was just, it was really cool because the music teacher was really supportive of me writing this like ridiculous little piece. (laughs) But I remember it really clearly. I'm sure I have it somewhere. I don't know. I'd have to look. But you could, I'm sure you could, you probably could still play it if you were put to the pressure, right? I might be able to. That was like 30 years ago, but I might. Okay. Now, you know, now we're in the age where you're minting things into the blockchain that are like the part of like the permanent record going forward, you know, like this is something you should think about, right? True. I don't, I don't think anyone else needs to hear that. <laughs> what was the name of that piece? Did you title it? Oh, I don't think it had a title. No, uh-uh. Okay, all right. <laughs> Is anybody else in your family musical? Does anybody else in your family play the piano? Or um, my mom plays the accordion a little bit. She was like forced to to take accordion lessons so that she could play at weddings and things like that. <laughs> uh-huh. It's Great. fun. She still has it. Um, and my dad was in choir. Um, like a pretty serious, pretty good choir when he was a kid, but they both did it just like for hobbies. So let's fast forward. You're living in Nashville. How do you, do you have any like crypto exposure? Were you like into buying cryptocurrencies or anything? Well, my husband started it all. And I remember him, like, I remember reading about the blockchain years ago, maybe in 2016. There was like an article. I was still getting a physical newspaper and there was an uh-huh. article in the Wall Street Journal about it. And I like I would always cut out things that I thought were interesting and put them in a folder of like things to research. And so yeah. I cut it out and put it in a folder and just kind of like forgot about it. And then my husband around the same time, like 2017, 2018, started uh-huh. getting into DeFi, like coins and stuff. And right. I think I made him buy some Ripple, which okay. <laughs> long gone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a peripheral thing for me. Uh, he's really into it. He was really into is it. He still I- into, is he still into it? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. uh-huh. <laughs> I think once you get like orange pilled into the crypto world, you're either all in or you're just, you know, you like peace out right away. It's one okay. or the other. Yeah. Yep. What brought you around to understanding what NFTs were? How did you get into that? Yeah, I discovered it. It was during COVID. It was like the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I just saw these galleries like Rarible and Super Rare were the first ones that I discovered. And I think it was Nifty Gateway also. And I yeah. remember like scrolling and going through all of this art and just thinking it's the coolest thing that these artists have a marketplace for their work that, yeah. you know, these, especially like these 3D art, um, these 30 second videos, like where else? would you be able to sell those things or find an audience for those things as a visual artist? It was pretty unique. And I thought, well, if, if it works for visual art, there's definitely got to be some musicians doing this too. Sure. Because, sure. you know, I mean, why not? And I found um, some musicians like Connie Digital, Studio Nouveau, uh, Rare Skrilla that had put out albums and had some really, really early uh, Web3 music. And I just started going from there. And like, I started reaching out to uh, visual artists 
Mm -hmm. and asking them if they wanted to collaborate with me. So I would write some music for them and they would do like these little videos, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and we would collaborate in that way. Because it was tricky for me to find a way in. Um, like Super Rare was closed. All these platforms were pretty closed, I felt like. And yeah. I didn't know what to do with music. There wasn't really catalog. There wasn't some of these music spaces. So it was it was interesting. I I think that like, you know, from my perspective, um, I started into NFTs the same way you did through Nifty Gateway. And actually a lot of the guests that I've talked to have all said the same thing. Like mm -hmm. we, we started collecting off Nifty Gateway. Were you buying stuff? Did you start with, buy, were you buying anything on there? Um, I, the first thing I bought was on Artblocks. And I gotcha. That's still yeah. my favorite. Yeah. I have an Artblocks yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so a lot of us got into, into to NFTs that way. And, you know, like from my perspective, I don't, you know, I don't know much about the music NFT scene. And that's really why I was excited to talk to you about it today, because it just seems like there's a lot of possibilities, but I don't even know. I don't know what's being built yet. You know, like, do you, are you do you starting to get some kind of understanding of what's happening in that in that realm? Yeah, there's so many platforms that have sprung up in the past two years. It's it's crazy to to kind of try to keep on top of everything. Um, there's like I mentioned, catalog, which uh -huh. artists can offer one of ones, okay. and it's kind of like the super rare of music. I liken it to. Uh, right. It could either be auction or you could set a price. There gotcha. is sound.xyz um, uh -huh. and artists can it's a curated platform but artists can make additions i think like the standard is 25 editions of a piece um, I gotcha. and musicians have been selling out on that really quickly like it has a really great set of collectors so i was looking at your stuff before we spoke so just trying to learn a little bit more about you and i i came across um some things on your website like this um occulta verba yeah. and i i i clicked on um you know some of those and was listening to the to the to the music that you guys had minted explain to me how that works it seems like there's multiple parts um and then is it, it can be like used separately, like you can t pull parts out of it and use it how you want to, I guess, if you want to make like a techno track or something out of, out of that. <laughs> I don't know about, so all of the rights for the music, I, I don't, I don't include those with the NFT. Like I retain all of the rights to the music, you. but if somebody wanted to use it, they could reach out to me and, you know, we could talk okay. about it. I'm, I'm not beyond that i'm, I'm um, sorry and i'm sorry to be naive i don't understand like how it no, works so if you no, can explain totally yeah yeah i liken it to i mean it's similar to visual art if you buy an nft of a visual artist uh -huh. you're not buying the rights to the image like you can't go and put it on a coffee mug and sell those coffee mugs you know I gotcha. Understood. Yes. so for me it's the same uh it's similar for music but you right. know i mean it's a it's an open field and if somebody wanted to license it or something like there, there are all these possibilities where we can talk and negotiate. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But a cult of Verbo was a project that I did last year. It was like a puzzle. I was inspired. Do you know the, you know, coin artist, that puzzle that she created with Bitcoin a few years back. I did, I did, I'm familiar with it. Yes. <laughs> she had this painting and she hid like the private key to um, a wallet with Bitcoin in the painting. Right. It took like three years for somebody to solve. It was really cool. So I thought right. I could probably do the same thing with music and like hide a message in music and see if somebody could solve it. And whoever solves it wins um, a percentage of the ETH from the project and a right. one of one yes. by the artist, Josh Katzenmeier. And Very nobody solved it yet. It's been around for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So it's it's hard. I, I was looking at I was looking at that, and I was very interested in that. Like um, you, you'd written a little bit about like music and cryptography, and how like secret messages have been sent through music and things like that. Did you, did you yeah. have to do some research? I guess you had to do some research to come up with like that concept. Well, the coolest thing. So even in school, like you're always taught about these composers that maybe put the name of the person they love in their music or something like that. So there's like the very basic 
music uh-huh. photography in that way. Um, yeah. But the one that I found fascinating was the NYPD cracking a case of a bookie. Like there was a bookie taking all of these illegal bets. And when they went to bust him, instead of seeing a ledger of names and how much people owe, it was a sheet of music. And they had no idea what to do. The NYPD is like, what is this? Like, we don't we don't know what this is. It can't be music. It's got to be like some disguised, you know, ledger. And it took someone, I think that worked at the FBI or something like that to crack it for them. But that was like, what, in the 1930s or 1940s? So I thought that was really clever. I thought that was pretty cool that there's that music cryptography uh, history in New York. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I mean, I'm a big nerd. I love these things. Yeah, and somebody could do a whole show just on that one subject. I mean, that's so, like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. So, and so you put out, so you put out this project uh, that that's kind of loosely based around, like, this music cryptography that you that you were studying or learning about. Yep, yeah. So, <laughs> and it's still waiting to be solved. I did not realize that, so that's very it's cool. still waiting to be solved. <laughs> Each NFT comes with three clues. There are clues that go along with it because it's it's hard. It's complicated to solve. I realize that, but um, there are clues. Well, walk that are me through. It. Walk me through how it how it works. I mean, I know you can't give me the answer, but <laughs> yeah, getting... <laughs> I can't give you the answer. Is it is it easy enough to explain it without giving away the secret? Yeah. So when you get the NFT, there is the obviously the art and the music. Um, uh-huh. It's like an audiovisual NFT. But there is also the sheet music. So you can read the sheet music that goes along with the sound. Okay. And you can kind of figure out if you know how to read music. That's the one stipulation. Um, That there's a message somehow written in the music. And there are also three clues that go with the sheet music. Hmm. And it's the same message hidden in all three of the NFTs. So, like, if you collect all three, you'll get nine clues. But, yeah. Well, I, I know exactly the person I'm going to ask. I have a person in my family who is also a Juilliard graduate who's a violin no. player in San Francisco. So- oh, Wait, when did they graduate? Uh, year a long a long time before you we're all okay. <laughs> she's, she's uh she's probably 50 so whatever that is I don't know. <laughs> um yeah she's uh she's in the san francisco symphony wow oh that's so yeah, cool and she's been out there for years but i bet she could help me solve this clue <laughs> yeah she probably could <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, what, what do you, do you collect any, are you collecting anything or are you just, yeah, um, music NFTs, but the most, the most that I have is art blocks. I just, I just love not knowing what I'm going to get when I mint something, you know, (laughs) when art blocks has those live mints, Uh it's just exciting. I don't know. It's like a, a grab bag and you don't know what's inside. Do you have anything like? Do you have anything cool from Art Blocks? Do you have like a chromy swiggle or any of that? <laughs> oh, any of those? No, I could kick myself. My husband and I were like debating whether or not to get a fermenti when they came out, and yeah, we didn't. Because <laughs> like some of those things have turned into being like ultra, like really rare and valuable. Like some of those squiggles I saw, like something sold for like you know three hundred ETH or something. I know. Yeah. A Fidenza. That's what we were going to get. I said Fermenti. No, it was a Fidenza. We were going to get a Fidenza and we didn't. And yeah, that was kind of. Yeah, he's done awesome. really. He's done. Uh, that guy, taught, he's done awesome. Tyler Hobbs. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, that QQL yeah, project. So cool. Amazing. 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 So you're really into art blocks. What was the first thing that you minted as an NFT? What was your first NFT? Um, it was called Soundscape. It was a collaboration with the artist Van's Design. Um, okay. It was like this 45-second audio-visual piece. Uh-huh. And he does these really cool holographic, like, multicolored pieces. And I did a piece for, like, a felted piano and electronics to go with it. And Do you know who collected it? Yeah, Studio Nouveau. Right on. They're, yeah, they were like one of the first musicians in the space. They have a huge music NFT collection. Huge. Oh, nice. like probably one of the biggest. 
Oh, right, right on. Yeah. So how do you, um, how do you connect with your collectors to walk, talk, talk to me about that? So everything is on Twitter or now lens. I've been using this web three social media site lens. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything like in the past has definitely been on Twitter through just DMS or people that I talk to on spaces. Um, that's how I, I've collaborated with a lot, a lot of other artists as well. Not only collectors, just, you know, meeting new people in spaces or seeing their art on a feed and then reaching out to them. Yeah. I've tried this. Yeah, I found you on Twitter. I found you on Twitter and I just found you very interesting. You know, I was very interested when I read, uh, I saw you in a spaces, I, I believe is where I, I, I heard you talking in a spaces and then I okay. was looking at your stuff and I, you know, I was like, Oh, she's a, a female NFT in the music. So you had like three things. I, I'm trying to get more women on the show because I want to be <laughs> as diverse as I can. And it's hard to find women to, in the NFT space because it's primarily guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. it seems like. I think my feed is pretty, maybe not 50-50, but maybe 60-40. I think the artists that I see, I don't know. And some of them yeah. I don't even know because some of them are just PFPs. Right. Right. They're just, <laughs> no just, idea. They're, <laughs> yeah. It's a, you don't know who they are. They're not. Yeah. They're anonymous. Uh, I, um, but I have had some really, I've had some amazing women on the show so far. So I'm, I'm glad, always glad when I can find somebody that's in this space that that's willing to come on here and talk to me about um, their you. art. I was going to ask you a little bit more about like, like your collectors. How do you, so you connect with people mainly through, through Twitter? Yeah, all through Twitter. Um, sometimes we've interacted before, just, I don't know how. <laughs> did I, did I, see, did like I that. see that you did like a drop through like async? Is that yeah. something that you did? Yeah. Yeah, I did a drop through async and, you know, they have a loyal base of collectors. So I was able yeah. to meet a lot of people that way. Uh, right. Same with catalog. They have a loyal collector base as well so i was able to meet new collectors there um how did you get yeah. onboarded into like nfts did somebody have like teach you what to do like did you have somebody kind of mentor you through like like yeah. how to mint something and or did you teach yourself it was i did a bunch of research because i was just so obsessed with the idea of it and yeah. i just go yeah. right in and read everything i could and if i had any questions or like any crazy issue pop up, I always go to my husband. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, he, gotcha. he's kind of like the sounding board, you know, we collaborate on things like that. Is, um, he, is he in tech? I, not really. I mean, okay. no, but he loves it. He knows a lot about it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like an easy language for him. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a steep learning curve at the beginning for myself, you know, when I learned, you know, I, I live in Charleston, um, I'm in the same city as Beeple. And so when Beeple had the $69 million sale at Christie's uh, in 2020, it was like in the local news here. And so that's how I like became aware of NFTs. So you know, I was very interested in like what, you know, what happened and why something would be worth $69 million. So I started like digging into it, but like just learning how to set up a wallet, buy ETH, move money, you know, and then like the more complicated aspects of things like how to mint something or create a contract, all of those things. How, how did you just learned all that self-taught? Yeah, I feel like it was harder back then too because there weren't as many right <laughs> like newsletters and guides and videos. I mean, I know you have to be careful what you read and what you watch, and I think that right. was the first thing that I knew. It's like only read things from verified sources. Well, back then, like verified sources on Twitter were actually verified <laughs> sources on Twitter. Oh, right. So yeah. be really careful. Um, I was very cautious. I still am, you know, about what I click on and what I read and the source and everything like that. But I started subscribing to Laura Shin's podcast and her okay. newsletter, Unchained. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and that was really helpful. And 
Yeah, a lot of it was just research, 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 and kind of trying out new platforms and maybe making a few mistakes and <laughs> trying new things <laughs> once again. Well, that's how we all learn stuff is maybe we make mistakes and you learn. Yeah. That's, that's how you remember things, I guess. Yeah. How do you feel about like the current state of like the NFT market right now? It's tricky. I I think it's, um, you know, it just took a little downturn and I think it'll go back up. But I'm I'm working on a lot of projects right now. So I'm kind of... Is there of, anything that you can tell me about? Uh, a new piece for Async. I'm nice. doing a new piece for Async. Uh, they okay. have a, since I released my piece on Async, they re, they have a new format. So I'm okay. going to be experimenting with that. It's like piano and synthesizer and electronics. Um, so it it's taken a while. It's it's a big it's a big undertaking. Uh, so I've I've been working on that, and I think it's a good time for me to focus and just work on projects and plan things and not look at my balances and not worry about any of that other stuff because I'm going to be here for the long haul. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Are you working outside of the web three realm? Are you working like professionally somewhere also? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all freelance. Like, um, this piece for Northwest ballet, another one for another ballet company in 2024. Um, and then things pop up all the time and, so I if you're working as a freelance artist or freelance composer, that gives you some freedom to do like all these projects, huh? Yeah. 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 It's great. What, what? How do you get inspired for a project? Like, tell me to walk me through something. Tell me like how you mm-hmm. got inspired to create it, how you developed it and how you got it delivered. Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. Well, I think sometimes it depends on the platform. Like for async, it's very specific how a piece gets put together. Because instead of just writing a piece from beginning to end and calling it a day and being happy with that piece, there are layers and variations that can change. So I have to make a piece that isn't fixed. That, that I should be okay with it changing and any kind of way that the algorithm spits it out. So for this piece, I just kind of sat down at the piano and started playing a few themes and then like thinking about themes that would go well with those other themes if the computer uh-huh. matched them in a way. It was kind of like a puzzle. It was more like a mathematical puzzle than just like... Uh, I was inspired to write this and it's emotionally this, that, and the other. It was more like exacting. Um, Does your brain think of music more like, like in a mathematical way than in a, like, like in a, like creative way? Do you feel like that? I'm terrible at math. I wish, I wish it would, but no, for me, it's like language. For me, it's very much connected to language rather than math. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Like the last piece I released, it was in May. So it was a while ago Uh for um, Mint Songs, which has since, closed unfortunately but uh-huh. that piece i wrote specifically for this piano um it's down in murfreesboro tennessee and oh, wow. my friend is an engineer and he got a piece of felt and strung felt underneath the, the strings of the piano so the hammer when the hammer goes down and hits it hits the felt and then the string so it's like this muted oh. sound okay. um, yeah, so when I was writing that piece, I knew exactly like the sound that I wanted and this percussive kind of grooving. Right. Piece. Uh, so, yeah, it depends on a few things the instrument, the platform. I'm thinking about this async piece that you're describing to me. And I guess I can totally understand, like, if you have like all these different, you know, different instruments playing, and you got to think about like the randomization of yeah. async and the way it's going to spit it out. Like if it spits it out in one way, it might not sound very good. Or if it spits it out another way, it might sound really great. (laughs) And I think the cool thing with them is if there's a version that sounds really hideous, if there's like a certain combination that you don't want together, Uh I think as a creator, you can specify that. Like that one shouldn't be minted. Oh, really? Yeah. But you have to go through all the variations and be able to find (laughs) it. So, so how many, what's, what's the addition size for async that you're dropping? Is it big? Um, 
debating. I'm thinking 300. Yeah, there's a lot of that's a lot of pieces to have to go through and listen to every single one, like how it's going to spit it out. That's a a lot lot of work for you, I guess, right? Yeah, but it'll be worth it, you know, little by little. Yeah. Yeah, right on. That's very cool. How do you stand on this debate about royalties? I know you're on a Twitter, active Twitter user, and you're in NFT Twitter world. You're probably hearing a lot of that, like I am. What's your stance on all of that? I mean. Especially, I think it's sensitive for musicians because we've been fighting for our our royalties forever. I mean, why would it be? Can you walk me through some of the challenges with that that, uh, for yourself personally as an artist, like with royalties? Like in real life royalties? Yeah. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? I'm interested to hear your own personal views and experience on that. Yeah, so because I'm a self-published composer, mm-hmm. I always receive 100% of my royalties when my music is performed. So okay. I'm part of ASCAP, that's the PRO, the Performing Rights Organization. Okay. Uh, so I have like full control over the rights of my music, and it has its benefits and it also has its drawbacks. Um, if I were to go with a publisher, I'd probably get a lot more PR for different pieces for performances. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of do all that work myself anyway, like reach out to orchestras, tell them I have a new piece, see if they want to perform it. And then I get a hundred percent of the royalties from all those things. Right. So um, I, I like that idea of control when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. And I want to keep that going into other platforms so like going into web3 as far as streaming music goes it's pretty similar with me um i've released albums through record labels and the streaming royalties are just like non-existent um and i've released through is that really a thing i've heard that i don't know much about the music industry so again i'm naive and i'm asking questions that i don't know the answers to at all yeah Um, like i've heard that like like if if your music gets played on Spotify, for example, or something like that, like the artist receives almost nothing for royalties from those platforms. Yeah. If you own 100% of your royalties, uh-huh. I think it's like 10,000 streams to make $1,000 maybe. I forget how it works out, but it's, no, it might be more. It might be more than that. But it, it's just fractions of pennies, like 0.004 cents right, for right. every stream. Uh, so if you own all of your rights, you know, you could do okay. But if you're out on a record label, then I don't know, good luck. And then also, if you had to pay for your own recording, right? but you're out on a record label, which a lot of the classical music models are like this. So the musician pays for their recording, for their mixing, for their mastering which is expensive. It really adds up. And then you submit it to a label that is renowned or whatever, has an audience and they release it and they take, I don't know, 50% or more of the streaming royalty. So you just financed it yourself, but they're releasing it and getting like the fruits of your labor because maybe they'll get some good press out of it. Maybe you hope. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem very, a, it sounds like a tough business. It's a tough business. It is. And I guess as an individual, as an individual, and maybe it's even like hard to enforce all of that. Like, how do you even know? Like, who's using yeah. your music? And you, have where? To, you have to stay on top of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard. It's is that something that you have to like actively? I guess you have to kind of actively like be looking for that all the time, huh? Yeah, like a few weeks ago, I found someone in Florida, this choreographer that used my music without permission. I'm like, what is this? You can't just do that. Are you like, kidding? <laughs> how did you, how did you figure, so how did you figure that out? How did you find out that they were using your music? I was looking for a video of mine and it, I just like, I couldn't find it. So I kept on scrolling through YouTube using my name. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what is this? And it was just kind of random that I found it. Oh. Yeah. Do you do anything? Do you wouldn't do you like say something? Do you confront them? How does that I work? emailed them. It was a it was a teacher, like a school teacher, and I just emailed her yeah. and I said, please in the future. 
ask the composer or the musician their permission because it's the right thing to do. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, that's very, um, that's a very good point of view. Thank you for explaining all that. What, what are your thoughts on like floor prices of your art? How do you, how do you value what you're producing and like put a associate a cost for minting something? Oh man. I never, I never really <laughs> look at the floor prices of my work mm-hmm. just because they've been released on so many different platforms and in so many uh-huh. different um, right. mediums, I guess, like in so many different genres. Um, right. But as far as pricing of work, if it's a one of one, it'll be more expensive than yeah. it's an addition. It depends how much time it took me to write and record and release because there's a lot that goes into it beyond yeah. thinking of the music and, and writing it. It's the performance, the paying for the recording studio, paying for the mixing and the mastering, all that production cost too um, has to be factored in. And I have no doubt if you probably added up all the time and energy and money and thought and everything that you had into it, it's probably, there's no way you're ever going to get compensated to pay for all of that time. If you think. I guess it depends on the price of each, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think about that though? Like, you know, as an artist who's putting out NFTs and, you know, and minting this stuff and selling it and, the world are you thinking about your collectors from that perspective like i want to have you know i want to do things in a way where it doesn't devalue what previous collectors have 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 purchased does that make sense does my question yeah i think for me anyway when i release something the next thing i want to release i want it to be better or i want to add on to something that i've already done or, you know, I just want the value of something to increase. So, I mean, the last thing I released was in May, and I've been working really hard on these next projects to just make it as great as I possibly can. Like, I want to be happy with the piece, first and foremost. I want to know that yeah, sure. all of my time and energy that went into it is something that um, I'm really proud of. Like, I want to be super proud of the piece. And I think that then translates to the collectors also. I think you can tell when a lot of time and a lot of craft has gone into something. And I would hope, you know, that collectors see that and know that that's how I'm going to continue on in this journey is just hopefully getting better, experimenting with different tech and adding on to it like that. Where do you see music NFTs going in the future? Do you, do you see a path forward for music NFTs and what kind of place is that going to have in Web3 going forward, do you think? It's been a tough sell uh, to get fans, traditional fans, over to the Web3 mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Uh, just because there's been so much negative press about music NFTs, NFTs in general, but there's been a lot of negative press, especially in the classical music world. Oh my God, they won't even touch a story about music NFTs. They won't consider it. Nothing. Why? why um, I don't know anything about that. Can you tell me why? Why? What's going on there? Why? Because it's bad for the environment. We're killing polar bears. You know, all that uh, kind yeah, of hype yeah, that people just yeah, believe true. without researching. Um, yeah. And also, I think people are afraid of new things, and something that shakes up old institutions is different. And you have to take time and learn about it. And I think a lot of people just won't do that. Um, this is the same arguments that the traditional art world has against NFTs. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the same. It's the same. I guess it's exactly. I walked into a gallery. I'm in, you know, like I said, I live in Charleston. We have a bunch of little art galleries in our downtown area. I went into the nicest gallery in Charleston. I'm like walking around in there and I was kind of just joking with the, the, the curator of the galleries there and said, where's the NFTs? And oh man, she just lit me up. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was not, I was not prepared for a fight with this woman when she lit into me but you know she was like oh you know it's it's the way they're stealing people's art number one and then the environment number two and the polar bears and all that stuff it was just like boom 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 i walked out of there i I actually wrote a blog about it because it's like it blew my mind you know like how misinformed she was and uh and how like vehemently against uh any kind of like crypto related art they were, you know, they just, they're well, terrified. Of they're fighting for their commission too. Yeah. I mean, it well, I, think them it's out. Scary. I think it's, I think they're terrified because it's going to affect them yeah. financially in the future. Do you see artists becoming, do you see musicians 
finding a way to break free of the chains of like the traditional like economy of music through I NFT? Hope so. I hope so. And a lot of musicians in the space are doing really great things to try to educate other musicians uh, because mm-hmm. they're not reading the positives of it anywhere. So if all you're seeing are these negative things and you don't have a lot of time and you, you can't really do research yourself because when you're a musician, you're really busy trying to plan everything out and you probably have a side hustle to make money and, you know, and, and learning about this takes time. I realize it does. Uh, but there are a lot of musicians that are kind of helping others into the space and trying to educate others. Um, I created a guide for classical musicians that they can just download and read and, you know, like bite-sized pieces. I have to update where it. Do, where do you find that guide? If, if I was a classical musician and I wanted to read that, where would I look? It's right on my website. It's, um, I think it's on the okay. homepage, but it's on the NFT part. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It needs to be, I need to update it like every month because things change so quickly. And I have it. So that's on my list. That is on my to-do list. But there are a lot of great spaces that people have on Twitter just helping other musicians out um, and yeah. educating them and bringing them along. And uh, you do a lot of Twitter spaces. I know that's where I, I ran into you the first time. So are you in Twitter I spaces frequently? I listen more than I talk. I think I, I okay. just love hearing what other um, people have to say, especially different artists from different genres. I love hearing their stories and how they create. Uh, Is there anybody I, in, in particular that you're following or any spaces that you like to be in or anybody that inspires you? that you would? Yeah, I like the whale shark spaces. Those are always interesting. Uh, okay. Some of them are more financial based. Others are more culture based. Uh-huh. Um and then whenever Art Blocks has a space, those are really interesting. And there are Music Mondays every Monday night at eight. Uh, nice. And yeah. Is that all um, NFT based music and on the Music Monday? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. NFT musicians. Um, a guy named Jared hosts it and Natalie Crew. And yeah, it's. In do general, you, are, you, are, you, are you are you are you all solely on the ETH blockchain, or do you mint on any other blockchains? Have you minted like stuff on Tezos or anything? I haven't experimented with Tezos. Um, I had one thing on Polygon through Mint okay. Song. Right on. And now I'm releasing a few things on Lens, and they're also on Polygon. So, like the Web three social media allows you to kind of create nfts in these posts you mentioned that before i'm not too familiar with lens how can you tell me a little bit about that yeah it's still in beta it it came out six months ago um and it's a project of donnie the ave creator and it's basically everything that you post can be collected everything you post is on the blockchain um Artists are releasing digital, like visual art, photos. You can release music NFTs, videos. They have a, a video channel called LensTube. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's great for creators. It's like its own little community. Uh, it's like what you wish Twitter would be, kind of. Oh, um, right on. Yeah, and are you you so you're finding it useful to be on there. It's great. Yeah, I love it so far. You could do long form like uh, posts. You don't have to limit anything to 240 whatever characters. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> um, you could write whole essays. You could write whole blog posts. And there's a nice dialogue back and forth between people on there. Uh, <clears throat> like people get into conversation on it. Oh, man. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, I do find, you know, like that Twitter can be a little bit annoying. You know, like, um, I'll spend three hours writing a, a Twitter thread on something that, you know, is related to, to this and then post it. And then it gets, you know, like one like, <laughs> like nobody sees it, you know, it yeah. feels like, I don't know where this is, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to work the Twitter algorithm very well, but it's, it can be a little discouraging feeling at times. It is. I was talking about this to someone else yesterday and they're like the most, you know, a name thing that you tweet out gets retweeted and quoted and people love it. And then you right, spend time right. crafting this educational thing or interesting thing. And 
it disappears. I don't know where it goes. I know. And then the people that have like tons of engagement are just tweeting the most, you know, garbage. silliest garbage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody spends hours writing a thread that's very interesting and in-depth and they post it and nothing, nobody sees it. It's I, nuts. Like It's true. Yeah, that's why I like Lens because it's Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna come come over there and see what's going on. It's great. Where do you so we were kind of talking about where do you feel like music NFT where do you feel like music NFTs are going in the future? Do you have any thoughts on how this happens? It's hard to say. I feel like more musicians will start to come into the space. Um, (laughs) especially when they realize that they don't have to be on a platform, there's some discussion whether it's better to be on a curated platform, whether it's better to just write your own contract and release your own music, you know, on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if musicians start to visualize it as their own personal immutable band camp, they might take to it a little bit more. Have you done anything on your own contract? Do you have a, your own contract? Yeah, the Occult of Erba was our own contract. And Who, how did you do that? Did you do it through like Manifold or s- somewhere like that? It was actually my brother-in-law is a coder and he oh, wow. did the whole site. Yeah. He had to design the Web3 compatible site. And so he wrote the contract. Too. You brought your so own that coder. Helped. <laughs> <laughs> that helped. <laughs> yeah. that, that's very, uh, that's very cool that, uh, that, you know, somebody that's got the the skills to do that because. That yeah. Is... We roped him into Web3. Yeah. <laughs> How how does how's he how's he feel like it's going? Is he into it? He is. I think he's taken a little break because his real uh, world job has gotten so busy. Um, but he has some projects planned that he wants to do. He's he's lives in Iceland, and he's in a very popular Icelandic band. And so wait, what's his name? I saw I saw him on your website. His name Kristen is Kristen Everton. Chris, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. saw, I saw, him. yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. So he's into it for music NFTs also. It'll he lives in Iceland. He lives in Iceland. Yeah. He's like have you been there? Did, have you been to Iceland? Yeah. I'm actually going in a few weeks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's I've on my back. I want to go. I want to go see the Northern Lights. Hopefully we'll get to see him. Hopefully. Do you do a lot of traveling? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm always going back to New York to see my folks. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, Iceland. <laughs> My is it easy for you to work from like work from the road or do you have to be in a studio you know i like i like writing on the road i can't really produce anything but to get ideas and like to come yeah. up with just little themes and stuff yeah i think it's great i used to write all the time on the train from connecticut to new york like something about being oh. in motion and just not yeah. concentrating so exclusively on something kind of helps to like free up my thinking away. When you're at work, what's the tools of your trade? What do you use? Well, it's a mix of new and old. I have my, uh, how old is this techniques? The piano that I had since I was 13. So it's old. <laughs> is that just like I a regular, it. like analog piano? Digital. It's a digital piano. Yeah. Digital piano. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Um, my acoustic one is, yeah, it has some problems. So I've been using this, this one. Um, but I okay. use Pro Tools and sometimes like some cool plugins on Pro Tools. And I've been learning this synthesizer behind me also, the OB6. And mm-hmm. I use um, a software program, music notation software program called Sibelius, which I've been using also since I was like 15. <laughs> so You work on Macs or PCs? Mac. Macs, right yeah. on. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if I could work on a PC. Yeah. <laughs> so you could grab your computer and kind of like go anywhere and work if you needed yeah. to. Yeah. And then if yeah. I'm if I'm without anything, like sometimes I'll just record voice memos on my phone if I get an idea. I feel like I Yeah, can nice. Work. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I, I, I was going to say, we're getting close to the top of the hour, but I was going to say, do you have anything that I haven't asked you about that we wanted, that you, that you would like to say about your art or your vision of the future for this space? Hmm. I mean, as far as the vision, my vision of the future, I, especially for classical music, I really hope that it helps modernize the genre in a way mm-hmm. and get artists to like shake off 
the kind of old-fashioned reputation that it has. Mm -hmm. And I think if more classical musicians start to use this technology and start to communicate more with other musicians, the way that artists have been communicating with each other in the Web3 space, I think that'll yeah. just help to strengthen the community. Um, because what I found is that it's such a such a collaborative and like supportive space to be in. And despite all the other things, I mean, of course, there's there are negative aspects of it. But artist to artist, I feel like it's very supportive. And that whole ethos has been really refreshing for me. And I would love for that to translate over to the classical music world. I would love for them to be like really excited about new tech and really supportive of one another and wanting to create something cool together because I think that sentiment is missing. I think it's interesting that you say that a lot of people that I talk to in my own personal experience with like the web three world is that people are very supportive, very helpful. Everybody's like, you know, very willing to kind of like give their time, energy and effort, to like help lift other people up. Yeah. Is that, has that been your experience? It is absolutely. I think because we're so excited about building this new world and yeah. we genuinely want to see other people do well, which, you know, coming from a competitive conservatory, isn't what I'm used to. <laughs> at all. How, do you, how do you, how do you do, how do you juggle that? Like, how do you, how do you, I mean, it's great. You know, this is so refreshing. I get to talk with artists who want good things for other artists. Like, whoa, <laughs> it's crazy. Cause I, I, I guess like you're right. Like where you're coming from, like Juilliard, I guess that like they're, you know, it's like just fierce competition, probably like doggy dog there. Or passive aggressive competition, which I think is even worse. You know, I'd rather someone be fierce with me than passive aggressive with me. Yeah. <laughs> So you found yourself over here in, in, in Web3 land and it's just like completely the opposite of that. Yeah, it's what it should be because if you think of it, there's such a big world out there. There's such a huge audience and we don't need to be stingy with our connections or contacts or ideas. Like there's there's room for everyone. And Helping you doesn't different. hurt me. Helping you helps right. me. Yeah. 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 What would you say to somebody new coming into this space that's in that's coming from the, like the musical side, like somebody like a young person, or maybe even somebody that's been in music for a while that's like thinking about coming into the NFT space? How would you? What would you say to them? I would say do your research. Really look into the history of everything. Um, sign up for a few newsletters. I love Water and Music. I don't know if you know that site. It's fantastic. For Say it again. What, what did you water call Water and music. Water and music. Is yeah, that a website? Like, like www.waterandmusic? Like, yeah. Okay, they cool. have a huge like active Discord community, Twitter um, space too. And it's basically everything tech, music, Web3. They have great articles. Um, and, you know... There's a great also uh, Miro board that Mighty33 did. It's the whole entire history of music NFTs. It's extensive. Oh. It's crazy. I think it's really important that people who get into the space know what's come before them, how far it's come, and mm -hmm. they see how it's progressing. Um, you know, be careful of links that you click. Always, like, take precautions. Safety is super important. They need to security, know that. Security, security, security. Yeah. yeah. And you know, do you use like a hardware wallet? Do you are you yeah. or you you do? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't talk about that a lot on this show, but you know, I think it's a good thing to mention. Um, you know, because a lot of people that are listening to this are in this keep all your stuff on a hardware wallet. Yeah, <laughs> anything that's important to you because you never know. It's just want you're one click away from losing everything if you click the wrong thing. In I space. know. Yeah. Or if you're not sure about it, click on it on a device that's not connected to your wallet. You know, like right. have something that's not at all connected to your wallet. Do whatever you need to do over there and then yeah, be safe. Great, great yeah. advice. And, and that's not something that you want to learn the hard way. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Is there anything that you're working on right now that we should be looking out for for you? I know you mentioned that you're working on a bunch of projects. Is there anything that you want to tease or let people know about my async piece um my you got any idea when that's coming when can we look for that oh, geez. probably end of january early february 
uh, okay. That'll be here before we know it. <laughs> I know. I know. After the holidays, I have some studio time, I hope. Christina, where, where's the best place to find you? If I was looking for you um, and if I was listening to the show and I wanted to learn more about you, what would be the best way to do that? <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. For better or for worse. <laughs> I'm always there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'll make sure that I put a link to your, um, to your Twitter and your link tree in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on here and speaking with me about your, your, your craft and your art and your music. Uh, it's been very interesting learning more about all of that. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you going forward into the future. Thank you. This has been fun. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank everyone again for joining me on another episode of The Ledge this week with Christina Spinney. Thank you, Christina. That was so awesome to hear about your music and your foray into the Web3 world. You can follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at ChrisHarper.eth. And I'll drop the links to Christina's page on Twitter and her link tree in the show notes below. You can join me here every Tuesday for a new episode of The Ledge. If you like the show, please go on to your favorite podcast platform and rate and review it. Please feel free to share it with your friends. And I'll see you guys out here next week.